we're in a series talking about connecting with God and how you can live your life really engaging with God on an ongoing basis, but also in the day-to-day stuff. And uh, this is our third week going through that series, and I'm going to pray, and then we will uh, jump into today. So, Father, I thank you uh, for these uh, folks that you brought out here today. And uh, through the snow, they got up and came here uh, expecting, God, to, to learn from you, to see you, to meet you. We all have different things going on in our lives, but, but we know that we need you. And so I thank you for drawing uh, the people here that are here today. And Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to learn, to receive from you, uh, to listen, to grow in the ways that you want us to grow. And pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So th- there's been times in, in your life, I'm assuming, like, like mine, that you felt like you didn't know what to do about something. There's something going on and you weren't sure exactly what to do. Or there's been times in your life that you felt like uh, you didn't have energy to love the people in your life that you know that you're supposed to love, whether that's a spouse or a friend or a parent or your kids. There's been times in your life where you felt stuck in some way maybe stuck financially or stuck just kind of difficult circumstances and you didn't know how you were going to get through it. There's been times in your life when a a friend was hurting and you wanted to help them, you wanted to walk with them through stuff, but you didn't know exactly how to do that. You didn't feel like you had the words or maybe you felt like your, your experience didn't go through the same things that they went through, so you weren't sure how to help. Uh, There's been times that uh, you felt anxious or you felt sad or angry or just kind of emotionally life was difficult and you didn't know exactly how to process through that. There's been times in your life when you wanted to change, when there's certain habits and maybe sins or practices and you wanted to experience growth in those things, you wanted to experience change in those things, but maybe felt stuck. And, and in these moments, these moments when we're not sure what to do or we want energy to love or we want to help our friends or we want to grow, we want to change, in those moments, what normally happens, even if for just a little bit, maybe it's long periods of time, but even if for just a little bit, what we do in those moments usually is that we pray. We feel like we need something more than just ourselves, more than what we have, more wisdom than we have, more energy than we have, more emotional resources than we have, more love than we have, more, more energy, whatever it is, we, we feel like we need more than we have. And so even if for just a moment, what we do during those times is pray because we want to be able to experience life with more than just ourselves. We want to be able to have better than just us. We want to be able to have more than just us. We want to live life with more than what we can bring to the table. And so in those moments, we pray because part of us believes, part of us believes that more than us is available. Part of us believes that, that there is more that, that we can have in life than just the resources that we actually have. And so we pray and we get glimpses of it. We get glimpses of more than us. We get glimpses of a, a little bit more wisdom or more energy or more love than we have. We get glimpses of it. 
Now, when that happens, when that happens and you get a glimpse of more than you, what is that? What does that feel like? When you, when you are feeling like I need more than what I have to bring and you get a little sliver of it, you get a little glimpse of it, what does that feel like? It feels good, <laughs> I mean, simply. But what if you could live in that reality? What if you could live in the reality of more than just you? What if you could live in the reality of more than what you are bringing to the table? Is it, guys, is this, is this working? Or feels like it's not, but I guess maybe it is. <clears throat> um, now, wherever you are, however much you pray right now, what if, you, what if you could experience all the time instead of just glimpses more than what you have? So today we're talking about, we're going to talk about prayer. And the reason we're going to talk about prayer is because prayer is the ability or the way that we experience more than what we have. And, and most of the time we catch that in glimpses. But what if we could actually live into that as the norm, as the regular part of our life? And most people, when you think about prayer, most people, when you think about prayer, you probably say, man, that's, it's kind of hard to do. It's not, it's not super easy to do. We throw up quick prayers, but it, it doesn't mean that prayer is just the regular reoccurring. This is the, the norm of my life. And so how do we grow in praying? How do we move from prayer being caught in glimpses and in moments where we say, yeah, I experienced more than me? How do we move from just a, a snapshot of that to what if that was actually the norm? What if we could actually live into that? And the Bible's teaching on prayer is, is I mean, it's endless. It's, it's very vast. And so I can't obviously cover everything the Bible says on prayer. But what I want to look at today is just what is it that can help us grow in praying so that the times in life where we have felt like, man, I prayed and I got a little bit more than what I had to bring, that those times can actually become the norm instead of the exception. They can become the norm instead of just a glimpse. So how do we grow in praying? To start with, I wanna ask this question, which is just what keeps us from praying? What keeps us from praying? Because maybe you want to grow in prayer, but you've found it, hard. And what do we do instead of praying? Maybe life is hard for you right now, or maybe some of the things I said before, you want more energy, more wisdom, more resources emotionally, or more ability to do something, or just more help getting out of a difficult situation. When you find yourself in that, a lot of times what we do is we say, man, you find yourself in kind of a, a rough place. And what we do is we complain, or what we do is we just feel which it's not bad to feel, I'm not saying that, but we find ourselves in a rough place and we feel it. We feel angry, we feel sad, we feel hurt, and we just kind of experience the feelings of it. If you're a really kind of emotional kind of person, maybe you even increase the feelings by putting on sad music or angry music or something to just intensify the, the feelings. Or you maybe distract yourself, stuff is going bad, stuff's going hard, you feel like you want more than what you have and, and you know you don't have it, so you, you try to distract yourself from that. Or maybe you even talk about it. 
So maybe stuff is going on in life and you go, man, I need more than what I have right now to bring to the table. And so you talk to people about it. That might be gossip. It might be asking people for help. It might be just kind of sharing with people how hard life is right now. But that's kind of a lot of times where we, where we start or where we go instead of praying. And then when you look at your life or maybe you come and you hear a sermon about prayer, or you hear you know, someone talk about prayer, you read the Bible and it mentions something about prayer, you, you see, okay, yeah, I know instead of doing those things that I should pray, and we usually think, okay, so here's what's keeping me from praying. I know I should pray, and I need to get better at praying. And so I need more discipline is usually where our mind goes. So I, maybe I need an app that, that tracks my praying or tells me or a little reminder that says, hey, you should pray. Or maybe I need some accountability and I need my friends to say, hey, let's pray together. Or hey, have you prayed today? And maybe I need that because I know I should pray. And the thing that's keeping me from it is some sort of effort or some sort of discipline. And yet what happens is we find ourselves just then in the same cycle over and over again, where we know we should pray, and we think it's effort that's needed, and we try for a little bit, but it doesn't really work out, so we need to double down our efforts or try a little bit harder, but we find ourselves still really with getting glimpses of feeling like we have more than ourselves, but not really the norm. Because what keeps us from praying is not effort. What keeps us from praying is not discipline. What keeps us from praying in the way that we would want to, in the way that we would hope to, what keeps us from praying is instinct. What keeps us from praying is instinct. It's, it, what keeps us from praying is, is something inside of our hearts that naturally goes to prayer. We'll look at how Jesus says this, but essentially what Jesus says is that what keeps us from praying is our view of God. That's why I say it's instinct because it's a, it's a heart level view that if your instinct is, I know who God is, then of course I'm going to pray. But if our instinct is, I'm not sure who God is, or I think maybe God's not really involved, then our instinct isn't going to be to pray. Now, here's what Jesus says. It says, he was praying, talking about Jesus in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, and this is then leads into the, the Lord's Prayer, what's called the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You've, you've probably heard that before. But we'll go into the next thing he says in a second, but just, just look at kind of the scene that is set up here. Jesus is praying. His disciples are watching him pray. They're hearing him pray. They're observing it. And they obviously notice something. They hear him praying and say, something's different about the way he's praying than about the way we are praying. There's something about Jesus and his relationship with God and how he is praying that's beyond the way we are doing it. We want what he has. We want to engage in it in the way that he's engaging it. So they ask him, hey, whatever you are doing, whatever's going on with you, show us how to do that. We want that kind of praying. And the way that Jesus starts to teach them is to say, whenever you pray, say, Father. And he roots it in. You want to know how I'm praying the way I am? That's coming of how I view God as Father. 
And then he tells them a parable and he tells them a story. And then this whole kind of teaching on prayer ends with this illustration that he's going to give them, which is still about how, you, how he views and how we should view, if we want to learn how to pray like him, to God as father. And here's kind of how he closes this section. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, right? Dads, your son's always asking you for fish. And <laughs> I was reading this. I was like, this is very culturally different today. You know, if your son asks you for a fish, and I'm like, my son has never once asked me for a fish. So if your son asks you for a tablet, we can change it for, you know, today. Uh, or if he asks for an egg, right? Like my son has never said, hey, Poppy, can I have an egg? I'm like, yes, I would love to give you this. Happy birthday. Um, if he asks you for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. So, if you then, who are evil, saying if you who are, are sinful people, you disobey God and you have a sin nature, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I love this illustration because here's what he's saying. Underneath what is power, Jesus is saying, look, you want to pray like I pray? You want to know what the secret to my prayer is? And he says, pray like this, our Father. So he's saying it has to do with how you view God as a father. What kind of father do you think that God is? Is how Jesus starts his teaching on prayer. And then when he gets to the illustration at the end, he's still saying, it you want to pray like I pray? It has to do with what kind of father do you think God is? Do you think that God is the kind of father that you come to him and you say, God, I want a fish. I mean, what kind of father? Even if you're a sinful person, even if you're the biggest prankster kind of father that there is, what kind of father your son would say, I would like a fish, and you go, here's a fish. Ha ha, it's a cobra, sucker. Like, what kind of father would do that? He says, no father would do that. What, what kind of father would say, your son says, oh, man, I would love an egg, dad. A scrambled egg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me, let me, here's a scorpion. Okay, like, no father would do that. He says, you're not a perfect father. You're an evil father. You do, look, even you're, you're, you sin against your kids all the time. You, look, if either you are a father in this room or you had a father. So we're all in the same boat, right? And your father wasn't a perfect father. Maybe you had an awful father and you're, you can say, amen, they weren't a perfect. Or maybe you had a good father, but you still know, man, yeah, he, he wasn't a perfect dad. But no father would do this, Jesus says. He says, you want to learn how to pray. If you want to learn how to pray, you need to know what kind of father God is. If you want to know how to pray, your view of God as a father has to change. And the, Jesus wouldn't have to give this illustration about prayer if there wasn't something about our view of God as a father that was off. He's trying to use a story, even a humorous illustration to say, look, if, if you think that God is the kind of father that gives you scorpions, if you think that God is the kind of father that gives you snakes, you're not going to come to him and ask him. You see, what is it that keeps us from praying? We often think what keeps us from praying is our discipline or our effort or our, you know, I need, how do we get there? Uh, we think that what keeps us from praying is our effort or our, our discipline, our energy. We think that's what keeps us from praying. And Jesus, when the disciples say, teach us, he doesn't say, okay, you want to learn how to pray? You need, to, you need to make sure you've got an accountability partner. There's 12 of you. Okay, that means, sorry with the one with Judas, but we got two here, two here, two here. Like, he doesn't say that. He doesn't, he, I mean, what he says is, okay, you need to know who God is as father. He says, because if your view of God as father is off, 
then you're not going to pray the way I pray. You see, if you think about what actually keeps you from praying, if you can actually go underneath it, we often think that God is just kind of unavailable. Think that God is unavailable. Maybe sometimes we even use the language like, well, you know, God's, God, I don't want to bring this stuff to God. There's so many other people in the world that are struggling with so many things and so many people that have it worse than I have. And and we kind of excuse it and go, you know, I, I, and what we're really saying is God, God's unavailable, or maybe he's uncaring for your situation. Or, or maybe we think God is the kind of father that's not needed. Why would I even ask God for eggs and fish and whatever I need? I can go get eggs on my own. I can get fish on my own. See, a lot of times I know I, I don't pray to God because I don't, I don't actually, my instinct isn't to think that I'm a little child that needs a father to provide for me. I actually think I'm pretty good at fishing and egg gathering. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So maybe I don't really need God. He's an unneeded father or he's an unavailable father or he's an uncaring father or maybe he's an uninvolved father. That we, if you're a Christian, you say, man, I'm a Christian. I believe God's my father. I believe he's there. And yet functionally in our lives, we often live as atheists. We live our lives going about never actually even doing what the child does and saying, God, I, I need this. I want this. I'm, I'm coming to you. Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to learn to pray, if you want to know what actually keeps you from praying at the core, what it is, is that we have a wrong view of God as father. Because if you really believed what Jesus said, if, if we really thought God is that kind of father, if we really thought that God was better even than our earthly fathers, then we would be talking to him all the time, right? I mean, if a good father, if a good father, their kid says, can I have a fish? And here's a fish. I want an egg. Here's an egg. If that's what a good father, just like a normal earthly father does, Jesus says, how much more? How much more is God? Like, it's not just that God is as good as an earthly father. How much more will God give to his children? See, if we actually have that view of God as our father, that's a very involved view. It's a very caring view. It's a very needed view. We relate to him as a child and father. And if we really saw God like that, then we would pray. We would pray. See, this is the relationship that Jesus had with God that the disciples were observing. And it's the relationship that Jesus gives to us with God. You see, because of what Jesus did, and this is the sneak preview that you got a second ago, because of what Jesus did, on the cross, we can have that, <laughs> something's going on here. Because of that relationship that Jesus had with the Father, he gives it to us. He says this, this is in Hebrews, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary, that's just talking about access to God's presence. We have boldness to access God's presence through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. In the temple, there was a big curtain that separated God's presence, the Holy of Holies, it was called, where God's intense presence dwelt. And what happened is that curtain was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross, giving us access to God's presence. Jesus has a perfect relationship with the Father. Because of what he did on the cross to forgive us of our sins, he brings us into access with God as father the same way that he had. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. 
See, this is saying we can have this faith, this confidence in who God is, this belief in who God is. We can enter boldly, just as a child is bold to go ask their father for things, for eggs and for fish. We can enter boldly because we know it's not like, okay, well, I'm not sure about my relationship with God as father. I know Jesus had a good relationship with God as father, but I'm not sure about me. We're not in that place. We're, we're able to actually have the same confidence that Jesus had to talk to God as father because of what he's done for us. And so it concludes saying this, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. It's saying this, God is a father and he is faithful to you. And so that should create faith in your heart so that you can come to him boldly to be able to pray, to be able to ask him things, to be able to enter into his presence. We are struggling with this clicker today. So here's what keeps us from praying according to Jesus. What, what he says is that it's our view of God as father. Our view of God as father. What kind of a father? Look, you just got to ask yourself, what kind of a father do you think God is? Do you think he's as good as an earthly father? And then beyond that, do you think he's actually better than an earthly father? that says, how much more will he want to give the Holy Spirit? Which doesn't just mean the Holy Spirit coming and living inside Christians. It means everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives to bring God's work and activity and presence. If God is better than all of our earthly fathers, and if we have confidence and boldness to come to him as father because Jesus opened up the way, but how much more will we expect to receive from him? This is what keeps us from praying our view of God as father. <laughs> all right, we're gonna, we're gonna struggle today. It's all right. I'm gonna ask Jesus to allow this to work. So our next question then is this, if that's what keeps us from praying, why, why should we pray? And often, because we have little faith in God as father, because we have little faith in God as our father and the kind of father he is, because our faith isn't actually strong in who he is and what he wants to do, then our expectation of what he's gonna do in our life is small. See, if your view of God is small, your expectation is gonna be small. If your view of the kind of father that God is is very limited, uncaring, uninvolved, unneeded, if your view of God of father is like that, then your expectation of what he's gonna do isn't gonna be that big. If you think, I'm not sure if God has a, you know, from back to the earthly analogy, I'm not sure that my dad has a lot of eggs. I'm not sure that he's, you know, he's that good at fishing. So maybe I'm gonna ask him for a fish and he's gonna say, sorry, the, you know, the freezers, you know, run dry. We don't have any more fish today. I used the last egg. Sorry about that. Like if we kind of think that that's how God is, or that we ask, hey, God, can I, hey, dad, can I have an egg? And he's just not really listening. Or he said, hey, get your own eggs. Or, you know, I thought, don't you know where the store is? Or if, if we think God's like that, then our expectation of prayer is going to be little also. So we'll still pray, right? Every good Christian knows how to pray, bless this food to my body. And we, man, we should have the most blessed bodies in the world if, if from how many times that we pray that, Right? If we know how to pray, God be with that person or, or, you know, all these little prayers that we, but listen, if our expectation is small, our prayers are going to be small. 
if we really think that God's the kind of God that's not actually that involved, then of course we're not gonna be like, man, I'm about to pray and some eggs are gonna come. I'm about to pray and man, I'm gonna get covered in fish right now to just keep the analogy going. If we say, man, I'm about to pray and God's gonna, God's gonna give me more of the Holy Spirit working in my life. If we believe the kind of father God is, is limited, then our prayers are going to be very limited. So why should we pray? And what I wanna do is give you 15, <laughs> it's, it's not gonna, I don't think it's gonna take that long, we'll see. Depends on the clicker. None of this is my fault, okay? <clears throat> I want to give you 15 categories that the Bible, and, and this is such a small little sample, okay? This is, I mean, I could go all over the place of talking about prayer, but I want to give you 15 categories that the Bible gives to us of what to pray for. Or it's either Paul or someone saying, pray for this, which is saying, hey, if, we sh if we're kind of being told to pray for this, then that means we should expect that that kind of thing can happen when we pray. So I want to give you 15 categories of really why we should pray based on what the Bible says we are to pray about. So here we go. Are you ready? We'll see how the clicker does. Why should we pray? Okay, here's what 3 John says. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health. We're going to start broad. Look what this says. I pray that you are prospering in every way. You know what that means? It means that there is a kind of prospering that you can experience in this life without prayer, right? There's a kind of prospering. You don't have to be a Christian to, to be prospering in some way. There's a kind of prospering that you can experience in life without any prayer. But then there's a kind of prospering in your life that will only come from prayer. Maybe he's wasting his words. Maybe he's, I mean, listen, this is a couple thousand years ago. Okay, so this wasn't enough time yet for just Christian lingo and jargon to develop. Right now, we have all sorts of lingo and jargon and things that we say that it, that, that was foreign to them 2,000 years ago. They didn't know anything about that. So when he's saying, I pray that you are prospering, sometimes we say, oh man, I pray I'll be able to go to whatever. I pray I'll get, I pray that, man, I, I pray, I hope and pray. And we don't actually mean I sat down and prayed that. We just are kind of using it like I hope or I want but that is not the kind, that didn't exist 2,000 years ago. They didn't just throw out language like that. So when he says, I pray that you are prospering in every way, he means that he has actually sat down and prayed for his friend and asked God, God, I just want you to prosper them in every way. Now, here's, I'm not gonna spend as much time on all these, but I just want you to see the logic of what this means. If he is saying that, that means there's a kind of prospering that you can have in your life without prayer. And there's a kind that is only gonna come through prayer. You wanna prosper in every way? We should pray. Second thing, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving since it's sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. He's saying this, listen, there's a lot of good gifts that God gives to us in our life. There's a lot of good things you have. You've probably experienced some of them over the weekend. Maybe you ate at a good restaurant. You had a good steak. You, you had a good beer. You had a good glass of wine. Maybe you went skiing in your backyard or something that you, you were able to experience. Maybe you were in the mountains and you experienced something of God's goodness, right? 
There's things that we have in our life and we are able to experience pieces of creation that are good. But what he says is this, when you pray, those things that are created by God that are good, those things are sanctified, which means they're actually increased. They're actually made more special. They're actually set apart to receive as a gift from God, which is why it's paired with thanksgiving. So you've got a lot of joy in your life and a lot of things that you do that are enjoyable for you. But do you want that joy to actually be deepened? Do you know that you can sit down and eat a good meal and go, that was good. Man, that's awesome. But there's a deepening of joy, a sanctified steak, a sanctified pasta, that you are a sanctified, definitely, a sanctified donut, that you're able to sit down and go, God, thank you for this. This is beautiful. This is amazing. The flavors that you've created here, the sugar, the powder, the, the jelly that's, oh man, that wasn't the steak. That was the donut. And you're like, this is so good. That actually sanctifies it, which means your joy in it can be deepened. Why should you pray? Do you want the joy that you experience in the normal good things that you have in life to actually be deepened? Here's, a, here's another one. Until now, this is Jesus talking, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. So he, he's talking about prayer here. Ask so that your joy may be complete. Listen, are you joyful right now? Maybe you are, but you say, man, my joy feels like it's, it's not quite there. I feel like I've got joy in some ways. I feel like I've got happiness in some ways, but I don't feel like it's complete. I feel like there is some stuff missing. Life is going pretty good, but I, I still feel like I'm not complete. And Jesus says, you want your joy to be complete? You want it to be as full as it can be? Pray. See, what if there is more joy that you can have? What if right now you are incomplete? And there's more joy that can be had. Next thing Jesus says, or Philemon says. Meanwhile, this is Paul talking. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me since I hope that through your prayers, I will be restored to you. And Paul wants to come visit Philemon. Wants to Listen, this is, this is saying you want friends to visit you? Or you want to be able to see your friends? Pray. And maybe your family is calling and say, hey, are you going to come here for Christmas? Are you going to come for Thanksgiving? And, and you say, I don't know. Are you praying for me? I'm not sure. Prepare a guest room, but I hope I can come visit you, but it's going to be through your prayers. Now, this might seem like a small thing, but are there friends that you want to see? What if this is true? What if there's friends in your life that you actually won't be able to see unless you pray? Paul, so all of these things you have to say, is Paul just kind of writing? Is he just kind of throwing in? He doesn't know really what to say to Philemon. He's, it's Philemon 22. He's getting towards the end. He's like, uh, oh yeah, 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 pray for me that I can come visit. Like, is he just kind of throwing in filler? Or does he really mean, hey, pray for me so I can come visit you? This is actually one of the most repeated, repeated prayer requests that Paul gives throughout his letters. Is say, I wanna see you face to face. Pray for me that I can come visit you. I wanna hang out with you. I want our joy. I want it to be reunited. Pray for me that we can spend time together. I've been wanting to come visit you. I pray that I get to be over there. Paul asks this all the time, which means there's something that he believes comes, some sort of friendship, some sort of connection, maybe that you don't have in your life right now and you want to hang out with your friends. Pray. 
First Timothy says this, first of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Do you want to lead a tranquil and quiet life? Don't have kids. Do you want to lead a, <laughs> no. Do you want to lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity? That's talking about the spread of the gospel. That's saying the kinds of conditions. That's why he's praying for the rulers and the kings and all those in authority saying, man, we want conditions that are favorable for Christians. Maybe some of you are concerned politically. Maybe some of you are worried about the culture. Maybe some of you are, do you think that some of that can actually change? Paul says, pray so that Christians are able to actually lead a tranquil, quiet life in godliness and dignity. That means, if we take this seriously, that means that there is a life of whatever the opposite of tranquility, of conflict and loudness and ungodliness and undignifiedness. There's a life of that that we will experience if we're not praying. Next thing is, in Romans, Paul says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. Are there people that you want to come to know Jesus? Are there people in your life that you are burdened for? You say, man, I want them to know Jesus. He says, pray for their salvation. My prayer is for their salvation. Now, what does that mean? That's got to mean that there are people that will not experience salvation if we are not actually partnering with God and asking for prayer and asking him to do things in prayer. Second Corinthians says this, and as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Saying as we pray for people, deep affection is created. Maybe there's people in your life that you want your affections for them to grow. Maybe that's a spouse. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe that's a hard person at work. Maybe that's people even in the church and in community that you're like, man, I want my affections to grow. And he says, as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you. That prayer actually deepens our affections for people. It says this in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you experience shame. Maybe you experience guilt. Maybe you go through life and you sin and you know it's not right and your posture is to say, I'm not gonna do that again and you move on. But he says, do you wanna actually experience cleansing? Do you want to actually experience a removal of that? Do you want to actually experience God saying to you, I forgive you? Do you want to feel that and live in that? Pray, talk with him. That means that there is a life that you can live, even as a Christian, where you still feel dirty. There's a life you can live as a Christian where you still are walking around feeling dirty and unforgiven, and guilty, and tainted. And there's a life that you can live of freedom and feeling, you know, that fresh feeling after you get out of the shower and you're just like, this is great, I feel free. It says, you can live in that. You can feel that when you pray. James says this, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they're to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that every single time you pray for this, this happens. 
But it does mean that this is something available to us, that there is sickness that you may experience that doesn't go away without prayer. There is suffering that you can experience that doesn't go away without prayer, that there is relief from suffering available, that there is healing from sickness available that God does want to give. And it comes as we pray. Colossians says this, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Do you wanna grow in the knowledge of God? Do you wanna look, we are asking you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you wanna know what God's will is? Do you want to know really, man, what is the mind of God? How do I, how do I love people well? How do I please God? How do I, how do I know him more and be able to actually have that affect my life? He says, we haven't stopped praying for you that you would experience this. That means that there is ignorance that you will live in. That means you won't know what God's will is. That means that you won't know how to walk. It means you won't know how to please him. It means that you, there's work that God has for you that you won't even know what it is or how to do it without prayer. In 2 Thessalonians, he says, in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. Is there good that you wanna do? You wanna help certain people in your life? And sometimes we even pray, God, I don't know how to help them. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to help. I know I want to be involved. I know I want to care for my kids or my parents or my friend. I, I know I want to do good, but I don't know how to do it. Or it feels like the good I'm trying to do is blocked in some way. He says, we pray that God would fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith. That means there's good out there that you want to do, but if you're just planning for it, if you're just frustrated by it, if you're just kind of worried, how do I do this or concerned or looking up blogs or asking other people, but not praying, you won't actually get to experience it. Philemon, back to Philemon. He says this, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. Do you want to become more effective in your life and in your faith? I mean, that means, this means that without prayer, you will be ineffective. It means there's things that you're gonna try to do and you will say, and maybe you've said it, I tried doing that, didn't work. I tried doing it and it didn't work. He says, you will be ineffective unless you pray. Ephesians 6 says, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might, he says it again, pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Paul is saying, I wanna talk to people about Jesus, but there's some fear in me. I wanna talk to people about Jesus, but I don't even know the message that I should say. That means that if you have people in your life that you go, man, I know I wanna to talk to them about Jesus. I know I wanna share about the gospel. I know, I, but I, I'm scared or I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know how to do it. You will be fearful. You will be confused. You won't know what to say without prayer. It says this, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He says, look, you want opportunity? Do you want opportunity to talk to people about Jesus? Look, a lot of times we use this phrase about an open door and we usually mean it for some opportunity for us, like a job or something like that. Man, I pray that God would open a door for me to move or I pray God would open a door. And the way that the Bible uses that language is talking about opportunities to actually share about Jesus. And there's times that we look in our life and we say, it seems like the doors are closed. It seems like people's hearts are closed. It seems like their minds are closed. It seems like their eyes are closed. It seems like I don't have opportunity to actually, you know, work is so busy or we've always got these conversations or these things coming up or I, I feel like I want to talk to people about Jesus, but there's never an opportunity. All the doors are closed. And Paul said, yes, those doors will stay closed, but prayer is the key that unlocks them. Second Thessalonians, in addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the, Lord of the word, that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. Maybe, man, you wanna see God's word spread faster than it is now. You wanna see more people experience God's word and it is actually honored that you want who God is and what he wants to do in people's lives spread rapidly, not slowly. It says, pray. Pray that that would happen. Second Corinthians says this, while you join in helping us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. He says, man, we want many of you to be praying. This is talking about a financial gift. He's saying, we want the church to be generous. We want the resources to be able to bless people and to be able to do what God has called us to do. So help us by praying. Pray that God would open people's hearts to be generous so that the word of God may be able to spread. All of that is under the category of ministry as well as this one here. Then he, this is Jesus talking. He says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Maybe, maybe you go, man, I, I wish there was more people involved Maybe even for those of you here that are leaders in some way or you're, you're on one of our teams. Man, I wish there was more people on setup. I wish there was more people on teardown. I wish there was more people doing things. I wish, he says, pray, pray that God would send more people to be laborers in the harvest. That means that there is an amount of people that will do stuff just by sheer responsibility or guilt or whatever and then there's an amount of people that will do stuff that God will actually send through our prayers. And finally, under ministry, Jesus says this, after he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Talking about a demon. There's this person that's got a demon and the disciples couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. That means there can be demonic activity in your life and other people's lives. And you go, man, I don't know. It seems like nothing I do is working. And Jesus says, this kind comes out only by prayer. <clears throat> How about just growing in your faith? We pray to God that you do nothing wrong. And you wanna stop sinning? You wanna, you wanna do nothing wrong? <laughs> Maybe you gotta ask God to, to help you. Or Jesus says this to his disciples. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. Maybe you find yourself going into tempting situations all the time. 
and you feel like, man, I feel like I can't overcome this. I feel like I, I keep falling. I feel like I know I want to honor God, but I keep stumbling back into these things over and over and over again. Jesus tells Peter, pray that you won't enter into temptation. Listen, some of you are going to keep falling into temptation over and over and over again until you heed the words of Jesus, which is to say, can you stay awake an hour and pray? And then maybe you'll actually have the ability and the power to overcome the temptation in your life. Paul says this, we also pray that you become fully mature. Maybe you're wanting to grow. Maybe you feel like you've experienced some maturity in your life. Maybe you feel like you've grown in some ways in your life, but there's more that you want. You want to, you're mature, but you're not fully mature. You've grown, but you're not fully grown. You've, man, you can look back at your life and see the last two years and go, I've made some progress, but you know there's more to be made. That only comes through prayer. Philippians, he says this, I pray that your love will keep on growing. Do you want your love to keep on growing? I pray that your love will keep on growing. Do you, man, do you want your spouse's love to keep on growing? Do you want the love of your kids to keep on growing? I pray that your love will keep on growing in knowledge, not a stupid love, and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. This is all the fruit of love filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Everything in our life flows out of our love is what he's saying. And so I pray that your love would grow, would keep on growing. Maybe you feel like you're a loving person. Maybe you feel like you love your spouse well, your friends well, your kids well, but he wants us to keep on growing in love. It comes through prayer. Ephesians says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you feel like you want to know God more? Feel like you want to be closer to God? Maybe your instinct is to say, I need to read a lot of books. Maybe your instinct is to say, okay, I want to know God more. I want to go deeper. And so you feel like you need to read more. I'm not saying don't read. Read, 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 read. Okay, there you go. But a lot of times our instinct is, I want to know God more. I want to go deeper, so I need to read. And he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you. You got to ask him. You gotta ask him because there's things that are blocked. There's things that you won't be able to see. There's things that won't be revealed to you of who God is until you pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Maybe the problem is you're seeing a lot of stuff. You're reading a lot of stuff. You're exposed to a lot of stuff, but your heart's eyes are darkened and you can't see. Do you know the same people can sit here on a Sunday and one person can go, holy Jesus, that was amazing. And other people can go, I don't, I don't really get it. Pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what's the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what's the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to his mighty working of his strength. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you want to experience Christ dwelling in your heart that you know, like experientially you say, he's living in me. 
says, that happened. Look, there's so much in the Christian life that we want of God and to be close to God. And we say, I feel I'm far from God. I feel I'm not as close as I want to. I want to learn more. I want to go deeper. I want to, man, I feel dry. I feel stuck. I feel like I listen to sermons or I listen to songs or I read and I read the Bible and nothing. It's just, and all of this is Paul saying, yeah, and that's why I'm praying for you that something happens. There is a life with God that you can experience apart from prayer. You can be a Christian, you can know Jesus, you can check the boxes, you can answer truth apart from prayer. And there's a life of your heart being awakened and your eyes seeing and you knowing and you being strengthened and you feeling Christ dwell inside of you that only comes through prayer. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you want that? Man, do you want to know more of God's love for you? Wouldn't that bring change? Wouldn't that bring joy? He says, all of this happens through prayer, not just reading. All of this happens through prayer. How about this? Is life hard right now? Are tears the norm? Is sadness the norm? Is suffering the norm? Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So do you want help? Do you want grace? There's, there's some help and grace that you can have just living life and from friends and from people and maybe from some books that you read. But there's some help and grace that's only available as you approach the throne of grace. So why should we pray? There's a handful of reasons. This is just a tiny sample. I mean, I could keep, I could keep going, but listen, all of that stuff I just said is either true. It's either true, meaning that there is, we're here and all of that is over here through prayer. That's either true or it's just a bunch of crap that we just read. And it's just a bunch of religious googly gawk that doesn't really mean anything. But I have to think that as we read the Bible and, and the Apostle Paul and, and John and Jesus, and as they're saying, this life is available to you only as you pray, that they weren't just saying stuff, that they really meant you can have this, it's available. Deeper joy, deeper experience of cleansing, deeper power, deeper knowledge of God, help, affection, time of uh, in suffering, grace and help, all that's available. I have to believe that, that they didn't just say that as filler words, but it was actually true. And if it's true, don't, don't you want that? I mean, if that's true, don't you want that to be available to you? Because listen, God doesn't just want glimpses for you of prayer. He doesn't just want that glimpse of, yeah, I feel like I got a little more than me today. I got a little extra than me. A little more wisdom, a little more. He doesn't want glimpses for you. He wants you to live in that, to live in life with more than yourself, to live with greater wisdom and greater love and greater passion and greater energy than you actually have inside of you. He wants us to live in that. But listen, here's what prayer means. We have to ask him for it. All of it, the fact that that comes through prayer means we have to ask him for it. Even Jesus' teaching that we looked at in Luke 11, he says, if a child comes to his father and asks him for an egg and asks him for a fish, 
We cannot presume that God will do all that stuff that we just read that is about prayer, that we can't presume that God's just gonna do that if we don't ask him. Listen, I've got kids, right? And like yesterday, just I was thinking about this this morning. Yesterday, my son uh, was out in, in the alley building a, a little ramp for his bike to do a little jump and, you know, whatever. I mean, not like a huge giant thing, just like six inches or something, okay? So he's building a little ramp and he asked, he came to me and asked me, can you come out and watch me come out and help me? And I said, yes. So he experienced something of bike jumping and bike ramps that he wouldn't have if he hadn't asked me. So I am happy to do that for him, but he had to ask me. Yesterday, my kids, we, we watched a movie last night. Usually Saturday night, we have family movie night. My daughter said, can I sit next to you? And so she sat next to me during the last half of the movie and cuddled up next to me. And I was happy to do that with her, but she had to ask me. And yesterday, my kids wanted a, a pop and, and I said, okay, but they had to ask me to have that. I mean, I could keep going and just giving you examples of fish and of eggs and God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. He wants to do all of this work in our life, but it is presumptuous to think, like if my son was out in the alley and then came in just super mad, like, how dare you, dad? And I would say, what? He said, I was waiting for you to come help me with the ramp and to, to watch me. And, and my daughter got really bitter at me that I didn't sit next to her during the movie. Or if the kids emptied out all of the pop in the house and said, since you wouldn't let us have any, no one can have it. If they, if they did that, like, you didn't ask me. See, it's presumptuous of us to think that God will give us all of these amazing things that we just talked about without asking when he says, I want to do this for you. I want to bring more into your life. I want to take away shame. I want to help you. I want your friends to come visit you. I want you to prosper in various ways. I want suffering to go away. I want you to have help in time of need. I want you to know my love in a deeper way than you know. I want that for you, so ask me to do it and I'll do it. I'm better than any father you've ever known and any father you've ever had, but that comes through asking. That's what prayer means, is that God wants our lives to be marked by his involvement in them, but it comes through prayer. We ask and God acts. Now, last question is this, how should we pray then? If that's true, if, if God is a father, the best kind of father. And the reasons that we should pray are manifold of all the different ways that God wants to show up in our lives. How does that mean that we should pray? And again, I could say a thousand things on this, but I just want to give you a few ways that it affects. Just 30 ways that, no, I'm just kidding. I just want to give you a few ways that it affects, okay? It affects when we pray. Paul says this, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. See, sometimes the Bible just says this, pray all the time. You wanna know when you should pray? If you believe that God's a father and you can believe he can do all these different things in your life, when should you pray? All the time. Man, that's true. We should just be praying all the time or one of the shortest verses in the Bible just says this, pray constantly. It's very, if you want to memorize the Bible, if you're like, man, I need to memorize the Bible. There you go. It's really easy. Pray constantly. That's one of the best verses. It just says, look, it affects how you pray and saying we should pray all the time. 
But it also means if we believe that's who God is, and even as you listen to Paul and he's like, in all my prayers, I'm asking this about you. And every time I pray, I'm asking this for you. It's not just all times and constant times. It's also specific times that we should pray. Look what Jesus says. When you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's talking about specific times. That's not just all times on the go. That's saying, that's an intentionality. That's saying you should go into a room, shut the door and get on your knees and pray. Or look at what it says in Acts. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. That's when it is, three in the afternoon, if you're wondering. <clears throat> that, that was what it was for them. They, they had specific time. It wasn't just all, sometimes if we say, man, I just pray all the time. That's good, that's, that's half of it. But we should also pray at specific times where we're going into the door and shutting the room and at three o'clock, and I don't really mean it's gotta be at three o'clock, it just means they had particular times that they were accustomed to saying, this is the hour for prayer. Here's just another sample of that. Once as we were on our way to prayer. So it affects when we pray. It also affects, it, let, me, let me say this too about when you pray. I, I, I've never seen a time in the Bible when Jesus was, you know, people came up to him and they said, hey, we, I've got this demon and I, or I need the healing from sickness. And Jesus said, okay, I'm gonna pray for you. And then went home and prayed for them. See, if we believe that God is present and is always working and he's a good father and he gives what we ask and that, and that he wants to do stuff that comes through prayer, you know what that means for, for when we should pray? It means that we should pray on the spot with people. We should, I'm not saying don't go home and pray for people. Go home and pray for people. But if a friend shares something with you, pray for them right there on the spot. I don't, I can't, can you imagine Jesus saying, there's, I mean, just, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. Yep, yep, I'm gonna pray for you. Demon, okay, I'm gonna really pray for you. See you guys. I mean, I, we can't even imagine that, right? Jesus is always putting his hands on people and praying for people and doing stuff with people. We should be doing the same. So it affects when we pray. It also affects what we pray. This kind of prayer affects what we pray. And, and here's what I mean by this. We need to use the Bible to guide our prayers. We need to use the Bible to guide our prayers because look at all the different prayers that, that I just listed, which is just a sampling of them. If, if, we, if we look at that, honestly, a lot of times that's very different from how we pray. A lot of, if you just used the Bible's prayers, those are gonna be probably very different from the lot of the prayers that we actually pray. Because the Bible gives us this beautiful balance of worshiping God and seeing who he is and confessing our sin and thanking God and asking God to do things. It gives us a beautiful balance of all that stuff. But if we just pray by ourselves without using what God says in his word to guide our prayers, then a lot of times our prayers just kind of look the same. God, I pray for that person that they would uh, have peace. Like we don't really know what to pray or we pray for ourselves and go, God, I pray that you would help me and also bless this food to my body. I, don't, I haven't even eaten it yet, but I know that's a key prayer. You know, we don't, we don't know what to pray, but it affects if we know God's a good father and we know all of these different things that he says of here's what I want to do as you pray, it should affect what we pray, which is actually using the Bible to guide our prayers. And here's what that means also. Another habit I would love us to get into the practice to. You see Paul doing this all the time and you see Jesus doing it all the time also, but it's to share 
the prayer with people. So instead of just praying for somebody, Paul is always saying, here's what I'm praying for you and letting people know. Jesus does the same thing. Here's what I'm praying for you, Peter. Here's what I'm asking God to do and sharing the prayer that we have for people. It's a beautiful thing to tell someone I'm praying for you if you really mean it. But it's even more beautiful to say, hey, I'm praying this for you and to let them know. That's what Paul does all the time. It encourages people deeply. Sometimes it even speaks into people's heart in a prophetic way where they go, that's exactly what I was asking God to do. How'd you know that? Say, I was praying for you and felt like that was what was on my heart for you. And it can deeply encourage people when we share the prayers that we're praying. And then the final thing of how it affects how we should pray is it, it, it affects the, the energy or the posture that we bring to it. Paul says this, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. So if we think this is who God is and we think that he can do all this stuff, we're not gonna stop praying. We're, going to, we're not gonna just say one little quick prayer. We're going to be persistent in prayer. Or as he says here, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it. We're going to bring a different kind of energy of devotion and persistence and of, uh, he says here, I appeal to you brothers and sisters through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the spirit to strive together with me in fervent prayers. Does that ever describe your prayer? Saying our prayers at night, praying for our food, even little quick prayers that we pray as we're about to go into work. God, help me to love that person today. I'm not saying those are bad. Say all the quick prayers that you want. But does this ever describe your prayer to strive in fervent prayer, persistent prayer, devoted prayer? Or here he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He's always wrestling for you in prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. Does wrestling in prayer ever describe your posture? See, if we believe that God is good and we believe he wants to do all these different things, then we're not gonna just throw these little quick little tiny little uh, perfunctory prayers that are just kind of for, we just know we're supposed to pray. That's not gonna be the kind of prayers that we're gonna have. We're gonna pray fervently in wrestling, saying, God, do this, please. Or as Jesus even just said, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. I mean, Jesus is saying, look, I know your instinct. I know you. I know your instinct is going to pray sometimes. Jesus says, I know your instinct is gonna pray a little bit and then give up. I know you heard a sermon on prayer. I know you've heard teaching on prayer. I know you're gonna give it a shot and then you're gonna give up. And Jesus tells them a story and Jesus gives illustration after illustration and teaching after teaching to say, I want you to pray different. I want you to have a posture of prayer that is with energy and with wrestling and with fervency because you actually believe that I'm a good father that can change your life and give you more than just yourself. You want, you want more in your life than just you? You want more in your life than just you? What if that was the norm? What if it was the norm, not just glimpses, but what if the norm was God doing stuff in our lives? That's what God wants for us. That's what he actually invites us to. That's what he says is available to us because he's a good father and because Jesus on the cross through his body broken and his blood shed gives us access to that father. Because you might say, I don't, I don't deserve that kind of father or how can, maybe, maybe Jesus had that or maybe Paul had that, but I don't. But if you're a Christian, 
what we saw in Hebrews is because of what Jesus did, he gives you direct access to that father. Communion is even called a covenant to enter into the new covenant of his blood, which means a special kind of relationship with God as our father and us as his children. He says, I give that to you. So when we take communion, we're not just remembering our sins are forgiven. We're remembering that we have entered into a new relationship where we have a good father that says, I want to give you more than fish and eggs. I want to give you the spirit. I want to give you myself working and involved in your life. I want, to, I want you to live life with more than you. This is what God wants for us. Let's pray and then we will sing in response. Father, I thank you that you're a good God and that you want to give us good gifts. I thank you that you love us, care for us, I thank you, Jesus, that you teach us to pray and you give us relationship with you as you give us relationship with the Father that we couldn't get on our own. I pray now that you would help these truths to go deeper into our heart and even as we take communion to remember that you are good to us and that you want to do good in our lives. In your name, Jesus, we pray.